This is an ABC podcast. Hey, how good are you at recycling? Be real. Do you take it really seriously or do you reckon what you're doing now is good enough and you can't be bothered learning anymore? Because, sorry, even a few little things that you don't have time to sort properly might lead to a whole lot more landfill than you ever intended. Hey, it's Dave Marchese with you for the Hack Podcast. In a bit, we're going to get into recycling. And it's not just us at home that's stuffing up. We saw some rubbish collectors in Sydney that have been busted mixing up the stuff from the red and the yellow bins. So what does all of this mean in the long run? We'll fill you in. And what about Neighbours, the cultural force? It's a massive start for some of our biggest celebrities, but that TV show is done. Hack. will get worse this year, moderate next year, and normalise the year after. On Triple J. Oh, it's not looking good. It is not looking good. The Treasurer has given us an update on the economy. I saw one headline this morning, Australia is screwed. Look, it may not be that bad, but... If you're really battling financially at the moment, you can expect things to get worse before they get better. You might not be thinking heaps about the economy broadly, right? But I know you're thinking about your personal situation. So how are you doing? Are you thinking of picking up a side hustle? Have you cancelled some travel plans maybe? Or maybe you've moved back in with your parents. Let me know, one 555 You can message in as well, 0439757555. First, here's our political reporter, Claudia Long, to break some of this down for you. The economy is doing not great. Sure, we've mostly got the same amount of money in our bank accounts, but we're getting less for it. There's that horrible feeling when you try and buy something and your card gets declined. And even the International Monetary Fund is worried, calling the global economic outlook gloomy and uncertain. Yep, shit's fucked. And the Treasurer wants to talk to you about it. You didn't send us to this place to bury the bad news or gloss over the glaring issues. Addressing the Parliament, Jim Chalmers laid out the situation our economy is facing. The global picture is complex and the outlook is confronting. So I guess the most important question is just how screwed is the economy? Before we get any further, there's a few words you're going to need to know. The first is inflation. It's when the cost of living rises because money isn't worth as much as it was before, meaning that even if you're earning the same amount, you're basically getting a pay cut because your money is worth less. The second is economic growth. That's an increase in production of goods and services, expanding the economy. Then there's recession. That's two consecutive quarters of the economy shrinking, basically the opposite of growth, and it's usually accompanied by a lot of job losses. If you hear someone talking about the RBA, that's the Reserve Bank, Australia's central bank, and it controls interest rates. So, back to the problem at hand. The Treasurer Jim Chalmers says inflation is going to continue to rise, meaning things will get more expensive. And he puts that down to global factors like... The war in Ukraine or China's COVID policies. And also local ones, like... A decade of energy policy paralysis. Obviously, I'm not an economist, so I called up some people who know way more about this to help explain what's going on. Hello, Stephen speaking. Sarah Hunter is a senior economist and partner at advisory firm KPMG. The Treasury think that that's actually going to go up to 7.75% at the end of this year in the December quarter. Oh... And there's more. The good news, I suppose, is that they think that wages growth is going to pick up from where it is at the moment. But? It's below inflation for most of the next couple of years. 
How do you get inflation to come down? Luckily, we have a few people in the ABC who know the answer, including business reporter Michael Yander. The Reserve Bank's in charge of keeping inflation under control, keeping your money worth what it, roughly what it is so that prices aren't surging faster than your earnings are. And to do that... It's a painful solution. No, God, please, no! And on the one hand, you probably do need to raise interest rates to fix some of it because uh, you do need to take a little bit of the demand, the consumer demand, out of the economy and it's pretty much the only thing the Reserve Bank can do to try and get inflation, those price increases, back down. Thing is, higher interest rates mean higher mortgages and that means your landlord is probably going to pass that on to you in the form of higher rent. Yay. Michael says today's speech was also a lot about politics, not just the economy. Basically, you come in as a new government, there are a lot of economic challenges, many of which are global, um, but also some of which are domestic, and you want to pin them all on the previous mob as early and as forcefully as you can. But there are things the new government can do to fix these issues. For instance, by making childcare cheaper, they're hoping that more women with kids might come back into the workforce. If there's more workers, it, it helps bosses hire people that they need, big increase in electricity bills is going to push up inflation a lot. Uh, they're talking about investing to increase the transmission of renewables and things like that. Does this all mean that the government is going to have to shelve some of their election commitments? No, not like that. Get your mind out of the gutter, God. Labor's been digging their feet in on tax cuts promised at the election, meaning people on less than 200k can expect to pay less tax. But tax cuts in this economy... Sarah says, stay tuned. I suspect that we'll get the government's answer to that when we get the budget in October. And it's really good to see the Treasurer really focusing on those and really trying to drive those reforms and, and improvements that will uh, mean that we can we're ultimately be more productive. Hack on Triple Jack. Yeah, Claudia Long and Mario with that economic update and so many people listening and hearing those Mario sound effects. They always help. Claude knows how to keep you listening. But yeah, I'm keen to hear how you're dealing with this messed up economy. It's a serious situation and I want to know what it means for you on a day-to-day basis. If it's changed the way you're living, where you live, you're trying to track down another job, let me know. one 300 You can message in as well. 0439757555. We've got some messages coming through already. Aldra from Brisbane says, I went to a food bank for the first time today because groceries are just so expensive. Somebody else says, work full time already. I just picked up a weekend job to survive rising costs. And another person says, since my rent up went, uh, went up by $90 a week, week. I've been selling clothes, shoes, jewellery and basic things as well. So a lot of messages. We can hear that you're doing it tough. So many people, the messages are still coming in. We wanted to chat with the Treasurer, Jim Chalmers, but he wasn't available this afternoon. But we do have someone who is across all this. Eliza Littleton is an economist at the Australia Institute and she's with us now. G'day, Eliza. Thanks for coming on Hack. No worries. Thanks for having me. You're an expert. This economic update, better or worse than you expected? I mean, it was kind of what I expected. Uh, firstly, that economic growth uh, isn't going to be as as much as what we thought before the election. Uh, also, inflation was going to be higher by the end of the year than we thought before the election. And wages were pretty much going to be fairly stagnant. 
Right, okay. And, it, I mean, it can all get complicated when we're talking and using the economic jargon and stuff. We're talking about inflation and, and wages and everything. I'm sure there are heaps of people out there who are thinking, I don't really understand how inflation affects my pay and vice versa. Are you able to break that down a bit, Eliza? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, yeah, uh, inflation is a really good one because uh, we hear it, we're hearing it a lot at the moment, but... Um, you know, we're also experiencing it a lot at the moment. So inflation and and rising inflation just refers to prices in the, the economy um, for goods and services going up. So uh, we'll have noticed when we're going to the grocery store, uh, food, uh, fruits and vegetables, things like that, uh, maybe the cost of beer, it's all more than it was before. Um, and that's that's fine if our wages are going up by the same amount as prices are going up in the economy because then we can buy the same amount of goods and services with that income as we could before. The problem is when wages aren't increasing the same amount as inflation or as prices are, then we can't buy as many goods and services. So, you know, for example, you go into a store, you're buying a six pack of beer. If it goes, if the price of the six pack of beer goes up by 10%, but your wage has only gone up by 5%, you may have had a wage increase, but you can't buy as much beer. And that's what we're hearing on the text line. Like somebody's just said now, I'm working the best paid job I've ever had, but in the real world, I have less money than ever before. So people really are feeling this. We're hearing more pain is ahead, Eliza. Inflation is rising. Workers will have to wait longer for a pay rise. Is there any indication of when we might start to see things ease up? Yeah, so the Treasurer today flagged that uh, inflation will peak uh, it, at, by the end of the year. So uh, it, it will increase to, or by 7.2, sorry, 7.75%. Um, and then next year, uh, it will stabilise around 5% and and reduce back down to the, the Reserve Bank of Australia's target in 2024. So that's one thing, that's one component of the equation, but, you know, what's going to happen to wages? And I think the other thing that the Treasurer mentioned in uh, his update was that real wages also, we won't see them increase by 2024 either. So this is here to stay um, and it does have real world implications for people's cost of living and also uh, challenges for the budget and the incoming, uh, the new government. So we've got the opposition out there saying basically the government's got to stop spending. Is that the answer because there is a lot of debt that we've racked up. It seems like the only way we can deal with that is to all of a sudden get frugal or does that have other complications that can lead to worse things down the track? Yeah, well, some spending by the government uh, does have more of an uh, inflationary effect and some spending doesn't. So it's really a matter of making good decisions and the Treasurer has... uh, spoken about focusing on budget repair and quality investment in the up-and-coming October budget. So there are some things that the government could do um, to improve productivity, which is like uh, how much people are working and what they're producing during those hours of work. Uh, That could also ease cost of living pressures for particularly low-income households and and young people um, without stoking so much inflation. Uh, And a couple of those things have already been mentioned in your your segment, and that that includes uh, making childcare more affordable. Uh, And the reason why this doesn't necessarily have inflationary pressures is because it actually gets more people into the workforce uh, because it 
creates more jobs because the demand for childcare goes up. Um, and we have particularly women benefiting as they can uh, use that time to, to work instead of um, child rearing, which unfortunately tends to fall to women in, in our economy. Um, and that makes money for the economy. And when the economy grows, um, then there's uh, more money to go around. But We've, there is... Sorry, go. There's also one really big thing that they could do um, to help repair the budget, but also uh, put downward pressure on inflation, and that's to scrap the stage three tax cuts, uh, which are legislated to come into effect in 2024. Yeah, I was going to ask about those. So there's these tax cuts that the government's still wanting to push ahead with. Is that a good thing, though? Like, is that going to provide relief to people who are struggling, or is it just going to make things a lot worse? Look, if they were a different type of tax cut, they might provide temporary relief. But these these tax cuts are actually not going to be evenly distributed amongst uh, earner, income earners in the economy. They're actually going to make uh, income inequality worse uh, because people earning $200,000 or more are going to get over $9,000 a year additional because of these tax cuts and anyone earning $45,000 or less will receive nothing. So the benefits are going to high income earners who we all know tend to be older men. Um, Young people are absolutely more likely to miss out, so are women. Uh, So the, but not only do these have, um, you know, uh, an impact on inequality in Australia, but they're also worth uh, around about $184 billion uh, over 10 years to the budget revenue. So if the government is looking for a really good budget revenue saving measure, if they slash these income tax cuts, then they will save money and they can spend that money on better age care, uh, better funding for higher education and vocational education, things that can help uh ease cost of living pressures for young people and low-income households in Australia. Yeah, for sure. We've got a lot of messages coming through. We've got Harry from Melbourne saying, I bought a house and land package when things were cheaper. Now I'm still hoping I can afford it when I go for my mortgage as rates have risen. Somebody else says, won't increased wages add to inflation? That is cost more for businesses, therefore pass on the costs of operations. That's an interesting one, Eliza. Do you have an answer for that? We've also got people saying, why do we have inflation in the first place? We've talked about this a little bit in the past. There's all sorts of complicated global factors that lead to this, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, basically a lot of the inflation that we're experiencing at the moment are coming from what we call supply side factors. So impacting the supply of goods and services in the economy rather than people demanding more goods and services in the economy. So, And and a lot of these supply factors are outside of our control. So things like uh, the invasion of Ukraine, the the floods uh, and natural disasters in New South Wales and Queensland. Of course, COVID has disrupted supply chains globally as well. But one really interesting thing to kind of ask yourself about this um, this inflation is where is the money going? So often, um, you know, uh, people will say that it's because uh, the price of labour, which is a wage, is increasing and they'll call it a wage price spiral. That might have been something that you've heard um, yeah. banging around. <laughs> um, 
But in fact, the Australia Institute released some research last week that suggested, in fact, it's not wages that are increasing um, as and then and therefore increasing prices in the economy, but it's actually profits. So, you know, when you're going to the, the cash register and you're paying more money for uh, whatever you're purchasing, um, the business is keeping hold of that money. It's not because producing that good is uh, increasing. It's not because they're paying more money out in in wages. It's because uh, this money is going into the pockets of employers and and big business. Interesting. You are listening to Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I'm speaking with Eliza Littleton, an economist at the Australia Institute. Izzy in Sydney says, what should we do if our annual pay rise does not match inflation? How do we young people have those difficult conversations with employers. It's definitely a big problem that we're hearing a lot about and we're going to keep covering on Hack because we know that so many people are struggling. We're getting messages from people saying, you know, my pay doesn't even match my rent at the moment. Um, I wanted to ask Eliza, we've heard a bit about a recession. What's the likelihood that we might enter one of those and, and get into some really, really bad economic waters? Look, it's possible at this stage, uh, economic growth um, has been revised downward, which doesn't mean that we're not going to have economic growth this year. It just means it's going to be slightly less than Treasury predicted before the election. So at this stage, there's no forecast. Well, the Treasurer's forecast doesn't predict a recession. Um, And so the likelihood, you know, who knows at this stage, but uh, I think... The more important thing is to focus on things that the government could be doing to help um, be easing cost of living pressures for low income households and young people, and particularly with a focus on the upcoming budget and what we can do to ask uh, for that to be the priority. Yeah, definitely makes sense. Economist Eliza Littleton, thank you so much for coming on Hack and explaining all that to us. No worries. Thanks so much for having me. And we've got more messages coming through. Mark from Lake Macquarie says, I'm now working more hours than ever before. Sure, I'm making good money, but when I look at my pay slip, I'm paying over 40 cents in the dollar, take GST in, and I'm almost working six months a year just for tax. Really tough times for so many people out there. You're listening to Hack. Once you've popped it in that recycling bin, it becomes a commodity. On Triple J. Yeah, for a lot of people, recycling is a big part of everyday life. You reckon you're across it. You know your yellow bin from your red. But are you actually? Because research has found that more than a third of us find recycling confusing. And if you live in a regional area, things are a lot more complicated because you might not have access to the same systems as people in the city. You might be responsible for taking your own rubbish to the tip. But little decisions we make every day could have a big impact, not just on the environment, but on the businesses that are responsible for cleaning up our mess. Jake Evans has more. Plastic bags, nappies, rope, fish bodies, dead dogs, dead cats, you name it. Question. We know what goes in the yellow wheelie bins, right? False. Wrong, apparently. Ian Weber runs a recycling plant in regional South Australia. He reckons more than 30% of the stuff they receive isn't recyclable. We have an enormous problem in Mare Gambia with people putting the wrong things in the bins and we have to actually sort that and then pay to dispose of it. That's a big problem for us. Up in North Queensland, the Council of Mackay is dealing with similar issues. They filled 240 bin loads of syringes just in the last three months. Here's Jason Grancourt from Mackay Regional Council. We've had people had needle stick injuries from that and obviously from a 
employer and a duty of care point of view, it's quite a serious thing for us. So the more extreme things are things like dead animals and have engine blocks, gas bottles. A lot of people do the right thing. Some people may be doing something incorrectly and they're just not aware of. And unfortunately, you do have some people deliberately do the wrong thing. We have on board cameras on our trucks. We had a recent episode where someone did put two gas bottles in the bin. We actually were able to trace where that came from. We actually visited those people and had a discussion about that. Sounds pretty full on. And if you're listening right now wondering if you should have rinsed that pasta sauce jar better or not thrown that bit of plastic in the yellow bin, don't worry, you're not alone. A recent survey from Waste Management Service CleanAway found more than one third of us find recycling confusing. And it all changes depending where you live. But generally, paper towels, batteries, clothing, soft plastics, stuff with food in it should not be in the recycling bin. Usually cans, bottles, paper, cardboard and containers with that recycling label are good to go. Just get rid of the food scraps and give it a rinse. Clean Up Australia says too many of us wish cycle. We want to do the right thing and think something should be recycled, but that could just send entire loads to landfill. So why is that a big deal? Well, recycling facilities, like the rest of us, are facing rising electricity and fuel costs, and high levels of contamination can make it even harder to make a profit. Uh, generally, mixed plastic or soft plastic uh, market has high, high levels of contamination, and China now doesn't take any of that material. We find ourselves in a situation where we're limited to a domestic market. These kind of plants will be super important in developing a strong circular economy in Australia, something environmentalist Tim Silverwood has long campaigned for. As he puts it, once you've popped it in that recycling bin, it becomes a commodity. One of the things I've found most concerning over the last 20 odd years is hearing about recycling facilities closing down. And I think we need to see a complete about face that really prioritises the rebuilding. And if people, if those businesses are facing difficult times in some sort of intervention to make sure they can get through, because I have no doubt that in the next five or ten years, we will see that closing of the loop inside Australia. And the Chief Executive of the Australian Council of Recycling, Suzanne Tumbaru, says there are improvements happening at the moment and the sector remains profitable. At the moment, the trajectory we're on, we are working in a circular economy effort across sectors uh, to make sure that these materials, the recovered materials, are, are reused and recycled. And at the moment, there are good markets for them. Recycling businesses are businesses. They need to absolutely need to run at a profit to support their own sustainability and also to support the innovation that needs to occur as our sector evolves. Tim Silverwood's done a lot of work in reducing the impact of plastics, particularly in our oceans. Where we've traditionally sold recycled materials overseas, he reckons we need more investment in local recycling, processing and manufacturing. But that's easier in some areas than others. Solutions will look a lot more complex in regional Australia. I'd say Australia isn't doing that well, and it's probably a result of just how regionalised our communities are. You might find that you're living in a dense urban environment, and that connection to a circular system might be way more available. You might be able to use your own reusable container to go and get takeaway, or you've got your keep cups and you're not creating any waste, but that can get really difficult when you're 100 kilometres from the nearest waste collection service. So the people all around this nation don't really have access to a circular economy with their disposable solutions. So he's really encouraging us to think about what we're putting in our recycling bins, but also think about what we use in the first place. And I just want to see more young people out there realising the sphere of influence they have on their friends and their peers and their family and their workmates around them. Hack 
on Triple J. Jack Evans with that story. Nice work, Jack. It was really interesting. We're getting a lot of comments on this one. Sarah in Canberra says, I've started a program in Canberra where we collect cans and bottles for refund at the return at depots to raise funds for our footy club, but more importantly, to help reduce these items going into landfill. Somebody else says, I've noticed amongst my friend group when they don't know if something needs recycling, they'll just toss it in the rubbish instead. And somebody else says it'd be good going back to more separation for the recycling bin, one for paper, cardboard, one for glass and metal, one for plastics. It's definitely interesting when you go around the world and you see how other countries do it because they all have different ways of recycling. There's a lot of comments coming through on that one as well. The new audition in Ramsey Street. Heard any more from your superstar boyfriend? Break off, Sue. You're an idiot. <laughs> You're an idiot. They kissed. And it wasn't just a peck on the cheek, it was a full-blown pash. On Triple J. Oh my gosh. It was a full-blown pash. Gross and unacceptable. Yeah, it was all going down on Ramsey Street, wasn't it? By now, you will know that Neighbours, one of our most well-known, successful TV shows is done. And I don't know how you feel about this, but doing a bit of an ask around the office today, people were really getting into their favourite neighbours' memories, like people I didn't expect, right? And even people who didn't really watch it knew a lot about it. And it's not surprising because listen to this list, Kylie Minogue, Russell Crowe, Margot Robbie, Luke Chris and Liam Hemsworth, Delta Goodrum, Natalie Imbruglia, they all got their start on Neighbours and that's not to mention all the young script writers, production crew. It's really been a massive opportunity for so many people in TV and it all ends tonight. Look, heaps of people are really sad and I've got one of them with me right now. Beck Dahl is from the fan podcast Nay Buzz and she is coming to us live from a camel, I believe. Thanks so much for your commitment, Beck. Is that true? Are you on a camel at the moment? I really am. I'm uh, in broom on a camel. But you know what? Neighbours love. It has no limits, you know? Oh, thanks so much for your commitment. I almost want to pivot to the camel story, but look, we're going to stick with Neighbours. What are you going to do without Neighbours, Beck? firstly? Is that the end of your podcast? I'm really upset about this. Well, look, I think there's always stuff to talk about. I don't think Neighbours will ever die, you know, in the hearts of those of us who are true fans. But look, there's definitely going to be something missing at 6.30 every night. That's sure. There's been some wild storylines on Neighbours over the years. Do you have some personal favourites that you look back on and go, Mwah, chef's kiss, that was perfect? Look, uh, there's a few. I think when Susan flipped on the milk and got amnesia and thought she was a teenager, that was, that was classic, I think. Carol getting lost in the ocean, presumed dead and coming back. But, I mean, look, to me, the real cream of the crop is um, Cody driving his wife off a cliff yeah. on their wedding day mm. and then it comes back from the dead years later with an evil twin. Yeah, it was interesting and not something you see every day. I want to know in terms of Neighbours, though, if we talk a bit more seriously about the impact it's had, the influence... Around the world, most people here in Australia have heard about it, but it really has been popular overseas too, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially in the UK. I think it's it's done amazing things to bring Australia to the world, really. Um, you know, I think we've probably given them a few bumps here. They think it's funny every day. But um, I think that, yeah, it's been a really important show. It's, it's done some amazing things. You know, it had the first same-sex marriage on Australian TV. Um, which I think was, was really important and great visibility. So it, it's really going to be missed. 
Uh, there's been, you know, some uh, criticism as well in terms of diversity on screen, the off-screen controversies as well. Do you think that in the end these TV shows, not just Neighbours but some of the other ones as well, don't really reflect modern Australia, that they're still stuck in time a bit? What's your opinion on that? Well, look, I, I think it's a bit of both. I think absolutely. I mean, we can't ignore some of the off-screen, you know, stories and I think there's there's always room for more progress and there's always room to move forward. But I, I think that Neighbours, you know, if you look at it now, there is um, diversity of ethnicity, there is a trans character, there's a number of members of the LGBTI community um, who have had families. So I, I think there is some real positive um, visuals there, but look, always, always room to improve. And I reckon a lot of people who probably haven't seen this show in so many years, maybe who haven't seen it at all, are going to tune in. There's a big finale tonight. Kylie Minogue is back for it. Like, surely it's going to end with some literal bang, right? Like a big sinkhole is going to open up and swallow Ramsey Street. Is that what you reckon is going to happen, Beck? Look, I'd, I'd sort of like that for the drama, but, but the, the neighbours down in my heart wants to leave it open for it to come back again. You know, I'm hoping that Scott and Charlene maybe buy up the street and then, you know, we get a new revival of, uh, of Ramsey Street in the future. Who's to know? Hey, who's to know? I'm more keen to know if you're going to be off the camel in time to watch the finale, Beck. And also, like, what are you going to do at night? Are you going to have to switch to Home and Away? Like, there's all sorts of questions. We could go on and on and on. Um, but, look, thank you so much um, for talking to us about this show. I uh, really appreciate it. A sad night for a lot of people. I know you'll be watching as well, Beck Dahl, from the Neighbours podcast. Thanks for coming on Hack. No worries. Thanks very much. We've got some messages coming through. Ryan says, the best part about Neighbours last episode being on is that it is the last one. Come on, Ryan. Hack on Triple J. And that's all we've got time for on the Hack podcast for now. I'll catch you next time.